Stuck in the 80s podcast. Psh, psh, it really whips the llama's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Seems, so good. Like, seems like what this show is over. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> oh my gosh, we have reached peak stuck in the 80s. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. And it's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your time-traveling friend, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA, baby. And today we've voyaged back 40 years to the fall of 1982 to honor three albums that are turning 40 years old. Getting old sucks. Don't let anybody tell you any different. One take. This is going to be it. Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by The 80s Cruise. Join Stuck in the 80s in 2023 for a week-long trip back into time on board the Royal Caribbean Navigator of the Seas. Performers will include Devo, Brett Michaels, Kim Wilde, The Church, Howard Jones, Living Color, Jody Watley, The Smithereens, Vixen, Cutting Crew, Mid-Year, Autograph, Tone Loke, and more. And first-time guests, I know you're out there. You want to go. You can get $200 of cabin credit just by using the promo code STUCK when booking. That's S-T-U-C-K, $200 cabin credit. Do it today. Go to stuckinthe80s.com. Damn, I was so close. Just go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. I'm sorry! I'm sorry! That's enough, dude. That's I'm awfully sorry. Hey, everyone, we're back. I'm sorry it's taken so long, but life's been a little hectic lately. Oh, sweet Jesus. You are not just kidding, <laughs> mister. I, I knew that was going to elicit a response from Mr. Williams. I mean, not to get into a lot of details, but there's been a lot going on. I feel bad because we left everyone hanging with the uh, Olivia Newton-John Memorial Tribute Show, and that's kind of dark. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pick you up today. We're gonna put you on our shoulders. We're gonna carry you around '80s Nation like the champs that you are, listeners. Yeah. So it's September 2022 right now. If we look back on the calendar, yeah, yeah, it's 40 years. Oh, um, since September 1982. And so what we're gonna do? Each one of us is gonna represent one album that means a lot to us we'll we'll give you some of the signature tunes some of the deep cuts we'll give you lots of trivia uh there'll certainly be some references to god knows with brad and chuck on the show there could be references to wait, anything wait chuck's on the show hey, hey, hey. damn see <laughs> i am <laughs> whoa coverly how you doing man hey i'm here have you been back there I'm, all this time behind I, steve i have been hiding in the wings I got a Papasan Papasan chair here in the office that Chuck likes to sit on. A Papasan shaped futon. It's <laughs> terrifying. And I just saw one of those for sale the other day in Walmart. Just just the frame, not no, not Walmart. What was it? It's like ye old pottery village, some <laughs> chain of uh low rent, uh uh brick and brack kind of household goods, but they were selling Papasan frames, cushion not included. Oh, hell's no cushion. 
<laughs> so it was like that part from the uh, mousetrap game. Yeah. No cushion, right? no peace. Yeah, did exactly. You, did you? Did everybody, I'm assuming everybody listening to this had one of those in the 80s, right? Had a Papasan oh, chair oh, like yeah. that? Yeah, sure. And I had neither yeah. a Papasan chair nor a mousetrap game, but I know exactly of what you speak, Chuck. Cumberland. Yes, yes. So versed he is in pop culture lore. You part the Duke of New York. You're a number one. Indeed. Anyway, so 1982, 40 years. Shit. Man. I know it's depressing as hell. <laughs> so whenever I, I'm, I'm always posting these, uh, uh, the charts, you know, the billboard charts and I'll go uh-huh. back and I'm always trying to find, cause it, it, it just hits me every once in a while. I'm like, Oh, let's throw a chart up and I'll go and I'll look and see what uh day in the eighties corresponds with that week's chart. And sometimes it is, it's like 80, 81, 82. And I go, Holy crap, man, 40 years ago. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. even, it's, it's just it's best not to dwell on that. So let's talk about something else. No, so let's celebrate the goodness <laughs> that was 1982. First of all, uh, and I don't know why I wrote this down first. I know I'm shocked. It's the year Madonna made her debut. Can anyone name her first signal? Her first single? Her first single? Her first, holiday? Uh, borderline? Nope. Borderline? Nope. Holiday? Borderline? Um, uh, I hate Steve. <laughs> I can picture the album, right? It's the black and white one with her on the cover, like just the close up of the face. I hear people typing, and you're cheating, you sons of bitches. I am not. No, that's just know. my desk creaking. The song was Everybody, and it was released on October 6, 1982. Huh. Yeah. Some people lost some money today. And guess what, Steve Spears? It was on the B side. Yeah. It was on the other side of the album. <laughs> uh, this is the year that, of course, we get Thriller from Michael Jackson. Mm. It's the year the first Us Festival. Uh, it's the year Adam Ant releases his first solo album, Friend or Foe. It's all I could do to not rep that album. I know it wasn't released in September, but I don't That's care. Why. <laughs> it's the year that Ozzy bites the head off the bat. And it's the first year that compact discs appear in music stores in Japan. Mm, so shiny. And uh, like Chuck said, it is so full of songs that define the decade. Are you ready? Hit Come me. on Eileen by Dexian and Midnight Runners. Hurts So Good by John Mellencamp. The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Eye of the Tiger uh, by Survivor. More Than This, Roxy Music. Hungry Like the Wolf, Duran Duran. I Ran, Flock of Seagulls. You Dropped a Bomb on Me by the Gap Band. You dropped a bomb on me. Come on. Hamana. It's good stuff. It's a good year. It is a good year. Uh, and it's the year that gives us these three albums that we adore so much. And we we're happy that they were released in September. That's giving us a chance for decades later to uh, to wobble, to race, to wobble on, on this <laughs> journey. Have to dream. <laughs> Podcast dream. journey. Within a dream. <laughs> It was this for me, or reading a John Grisham novel and falling asleep at 9.30. So I'm going to choose the podcast. Nice. So, Brad, let's get started. What's your uh, signature album from 1982, the month of September? September 1982 saw record stores graced with the album that featured this song.
That's Promised You a Miracle. I know you recognize that from the Simple Minds album, New Gold Dream, 81, 82, 83, 84. I hope you explain that. <laughs> I, I don't have a good answer for that. It doesn't. My kids make so much fun of this song in particular and the album title for the, like, what are they counting? I saw some references on the internet that I couldn't really corroborate that it was like they were talking about when there was going to be their heyday or when they had a contract with a certain record company and stuff like that. I, I don't think it matters. Uh, but this is a fantastic album. And let me tell you why it's a fantastic album. So it's the sixth, yes, sixth studio album from Scottish Mind Simple Bands. Wow. Simple Minds, which is shocking. Uh, but when I tell you the next thing, you're going to say, oh, this is why I don't remember those first five. The first five albums were kind of either sort of semi-punk or art rock, and the critics loved them, which meant nobody bought the albums. <laughs> uh, and so in 1982, they pivoted to a more radio-friendly sound, which just shows up on this album. And I think this is really interesting. They did that after they did a tour supporting Ice House in Australia. And this tour kind of gave them a taste of fame. Uh, in 2012, Jim Kerr, the lead singer, said, you don't expect much reaction as a support band, but people were going nuts. In Australia, they had fantastic pirate-style radio, and all the British stuff was being played on bootlegs from the Banshees right through, well, us. And these stations had huge ratings, and we heard ourselves being played all the time. We left the country with gold discs. And he said, I remember feeling this pop star lark is pretty good. I don't think it's any coincidence the first song we wrote when we got back was as catchy as Promised You a Miracle. So they went on a tour. People liked them. They're like, hey, people buying our records. This is awesome. We should make more stuff people want to buy. So didn't they say that the they, they did take a departure from what they were, the, their uh, roots? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a, definitely a pivot. Um, the other thing that I, I don't think I put the quote in here, the other thing that they said that Jim had said in an interview was this period of time, the band was just clicking. Like they weren't arguing, stuff was coming together. They all agreed on the direction. It was like this kind of golden time for them. And I think that refle is reflected in the, in the album. I think the album just is such a, a tight piece of work. Oh yeah, easily. There's there's a song in here, and I know it's not your deep cut, but to me it's it's one of my maybe my favorite song by Simple Minds. Um, somewhere, somewhere in summertime. Oh jeez. was close i almost put that in there just because i like to pander to you but i decided i could pander to you more effectively if i use this because it's featured on the elizabeth town soundtrack oh nice i love that ah see you got a weird attachment to that movie but i've already talked about that enough that's okay yeah so this song it kind of snuck into the u.s like it was on a tourist visa uh, it shows up on the dance charts it didn't really go very far but it did get to number 13 on the uk charts uh, I, I, I let me just be 100% transparency. I didn't even know who Simple Minds was in 1982. I came to this much later, and I kind of tried to figure out what led me to Simple Minds, and I think it was probably K-Rock, that the singles from this were still getting played when I moved to L.A. in the, in the mid-'80s. It wasn't, it wasn't until much later that I heard this whole album. I mean, was this something you guys were aware of or was on your radar in 1982? Not in 1982. I wasn't. I wasn't into Simple Minds. I saw them on tour 
when they were promoting Once Upon a Time in 1986 or 7. And they played a lot of this album. And I was, I've been a fan ever since. That, that was an amazing show. They're one of those great live bands. Yeah. I mean, I know I've talked about this on the pod. I saw them, it was early 2000s in LA, and I just was blown away. They were so good. Chuck, have you seen them? No, no. Now, the only song, yeah, the only song I know is the obvious one. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it because it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's okay. Say it. Say it. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Yeah, that's the only song that, I mean, that's what brought them onto my radar. I heard other songs. I have heard other songs since then, but they were definitely not on you know, my radar in, in 82 or 83. I will say that this is one of those bands that, uh, and probably the top of the list of big 80s bands that I became a, a fan of much later. Like the song Belfast Child. I, oh. I never, I'd never heard that song when it first so came out, but you listen to it today and it's just like, ugh. Where's this so now you're making in? me want to go back and listen. See oh, the I lights. Can... Yeah. Oh my gosh. Play See the Lights. You'll be oh gosh. Yeah. Is yeah. that all on this album? No. No. no I'm, like, I'm just pulling stuff out of and like, you know, Love Song from the album before this and Belfast Child and the the instru- we need to we need to reinstate the instrumentals show <laughs> so I can talk about uh is it themes for cities or I forget exactly what it's called. Themes for big cities. Yeah. Well, uh, Chuck, if you go and you get the live album, it's called uh, I think it was in 1987. It's called uh, Simple Minds Live in the City of Light. It was recorded in Paris and it was recorded during the Once Upon a Time tour. So you get to basically hear almost every important song that they'd ever done at that point. Well, at that point. Like the greatest, not the greatest hits or the, the it best feels of. Like it. But it was I, a, yeah, it's a big concert the best set. So they would have played all, yeah, they would have been working on policing the crowd there for sure. Yeah, but it was, it was amazing. And I remember, I remember Jim Kerr talking about it saying that they knew that that tour was like they were just on fire it was just they were hitting all the right notes and so they're like we got to record this we got to put this down and, and make a live album which at that point in the 80s i think was largely not a thing anymore yeah and, you weren't seeing a lot of that yeah. that's true and certainly not by like new wave bands if you want to call simple minds new wave yeah um but but it's 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 one of those rare ones where I remember I bought it. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. I, I need to find it on DVD so I could just watch it endlessly in a loop while I cry. I'm going to say this isn't a. <laughs> I'm going to say this is new romantic, not new. Yes, way. that's that's a better label. What, okay. what, what do they self uh, qualify themselves as? Do they categorize themselves? Put them in a box at all? Uh, I don't know. Gosh. Let me see if I can get Jim on the phone here. <laughs> <laughs> I have his email address. Look at you, name dropper. Shoot, shoot him a quick email and see what he, he says. Um, he, um, he when I interviewed him, I don't know. It's probably it's probably been uh, ten years, twelve years. He had done a, some solo work, and and so he was available for interviews. And I talked to him, and it, it was he's such a great guy. Yeah. And at the very end, he said something about, "Oh, if you you know if you're ever in if you're ever in Scotland, just you know email me." And I'm like, okay. And he gave me his email address, and I still have it somewhere. Well, we got to get you to Scotland then. Yeah, no kidding. Let's take a stuck in the '80s podcast uh, trip. Yeah, let's, we let's need to schedule go to something. Go to the what's UK. What's the big the '80s UK festival tour. in the UK? They yeah, do we have, have tons of them. Yeah, yeah, but we the, should go over and set is, up I mean, a booth. UK Palooza. We could give out Spearsies. <laughs> he he is such a good guy. If if there's any one person who I think might actually remember giving me his email address, it would be someone like Jim Kerr. So. Anyway, 
well, let me give you my deep track from this before we spend too much more time on it. Uh, this is my deep cut. It's the title track from the album. 81. This is a song you don't hear too often. That no, you really don't. Cut. This uh, is a song I've never heard in my life. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so good. And now I'll tell you why it's so good. Uh, the album title, uh, New Gold Dream, was taken from a headline on a magazine review for an art house movie called Fitzcarraldo, which, as we all <laughs> remember from the reading, is the 1982 West German epic adventure drama film written, produced, and directed by Werner Herzog. I won't read the rest of this because it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Jim was Jim Kerr was quoted as saying, "Our previous albums had a lot of darkness. Traveling through Europe at that time, there was the Red Brigade in Italy, neo Nazis in Germany. We passed through Paris, and a bomb had just gone off in a synagogue, and it made a big impression. New Gold Dream was just a new dawn, and." I, I, I have no idea what they're singing about in this song. I, I, I know they count some years or numbers at some point, but I just, I want to just wrap myself in it and just hang out on the inside of this song. It's just, it's not quite, it, it's walking a line between rock and roll and electronic trance music somehow. It just kind of has this groove that just carries you along. I, I can't describe it any more than that. Like I said, I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't care. I love the sound of it. I just want to. I just want to soak in it. I thought you were going to say, "I just want to be inside of it." And I was just going to be like, "Oh, stop!" I do. I, feel I, do. I want to wrap the song around me like a nice blanket on a snuggly, cool evening with the hot cocoa. Ooh, will you bring me the hot cocoa, Tuxi? <laughs> with the little marshmallows in my hot cocoa. Okay, I'm going to bring it all back down. Ready? Oh. Female listeners, run from the room. It's Rush. This is obviously subdivisions from the album Signals, which mm. I, 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 was, I was listening to this again the other day, and I'm like, I believe this was the last Rush album that I paid for. And <laughs> you stole them after that. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew you were going to say that, but during my time, <laughs> when we started the podcast at the St. Pete Times, a lot of times the record companies would send us promo copies of all the albums to review. So, Oh, nice. So snakes and arrows i remember getting that from rush and listening to like one track and then tossing it aside but signals i was still like 1982 eh, i hadn't i hadn't transitioned into to, to my new wave stuff so i was still kind of clinging to prog rock you know i still wanted i still wanted my sticks i still wanted rush i still wanted you know journey and triumph and stuff like that these guys have jumpsuits and long hair i'll buy that <laughs> Uh, Signals is the ninth album by Rush, released in wow. September 82. 
It peaked at number one in Canada. Big shocker. Number three. <laughs> I, hey, and All 43 people in Canada bought a copy. And let's make one thing straight here, because we got accused of this by, by a, a long time and loyal listener. We love Canada on the podcast, but he he's he's insistent that we do nothing but insult his country. And I well, assure I might you, have just done I, that, but I love Canada. And every day that passes in the political world of the United States, I love Canada even more. So don't be surprised to see me wrapped in maple leaf flags here before uh, another couple of years goes by. Anyway, number one in Canada, number three in the UK, number 10 in the US. Um, the highest charting song on the album, not subdivisions, which I think each everyone who listens to this podcast knows this song, right? Right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> New World Man was actually the highest uh, charting song. Really? They never I don't know why that just... It seems like that's a an ELO song that got trapped in a Rush album. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I, now I, I did see the band perform circa this time. They had put out an album called uh, Exit Stage Left, which was a tour, uh, a live album based on their Moving Pictures tour. And on the Exit Stage Left tour, they were they were playing New World Man and Subdivision. So that was the first time we heard those songs. The band has said over the years that this album was not meant to sound like moving pictures. Um, but doesn't it kind of to you guys still sound like moving pictures a little bit? I used to goof with a friend of mine who was a huge uh, uh, Rush fan that they all sounded the same. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> just just got to stick with the bit. Yeah. So I, yes. The instrumentation, it's 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 a trio. They don't have a whole lot of room to go different places. So yeah, there's definitely some similarities there. I mean, yeah. it's, it, this might be the album that's heaviest on the synths. But, no, that's fair. Um, I, th- I think I just sprayed my computer monitor trying to say that word. But uh, Rolling Stone thought differently in their review. They gave it two stars and they wrote, um, Rush makes a strong argument for the view that advanced technology is not necessarily the same as progress. Oh, Rolling Stone. <laughs> Shut up, Jan Wenner. Unfortunately, they do so largely by screwing up. Although Signals is a chock-a-block with, with state-of-the-studio gadgetry ranging from the requisite bands of synthesizers to the latest digital recording and mixing, none of these electronic add-on enhances the group's music. If anything, Rush emerges from this jungle of wires and gizmos sounding duller than ever. That's unnecessarily harsh. Yeah. But that's kind of you know stock and trade for such a publication. Yeah, uh, they, those Rolling Stone and, and and Rush never got along. Anyway, yeah. subdivisions. Everyone knows the song. It's about cool teenagers dealing with uh, the cool kids and feeling cast out of the popular cliques. It is probably, I would guess, one of the few songs where we actually know <laughs> what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to read Ayn Rand to figure this one out. So, um, uh, Neil Per. Uh, wrote the lyrics. He says, of course, it's autobiogra- autobiographical. Um, the word, this is something I always kind of wondered. The The title of the song, Subdivision, is a word that's only used twice per chorus. Um, and that's actually Neil saying it, although uh, Alex Lifeson lip syncs it in the video and on stage. Why? I do not know. Maybe it's just so he knows where they are in the song. When they play Time Stand Still, he doesn't lip sync that. I mean, that's Amy Mann. We, we, we take for granted that it's a recorded version of Amy Mann, but whatever. So who was playing the synth stuff? Uh, Getty, Getty Lee. Getty was, yes. And then he would play, if he had to do both at the same time, he had 
he had pedals that could also uh, fill in for the bass. So you're talking about live performing this live with yeah, just the three yeah. of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That'd be impressive. They were no good. Sequencer. Huh. I saw them twice. They're, they are fun to watch and they are tight and their stage show has a, um, especially in the later years, a nice element of comedy to it and uh, a real sense of humor to it. Nice. Anyway, uh, I do have, of course, have a deep cut. Um, I'm picking this Steve, one. Because, what's your deep cut? I'm picking this one because <laughs> I'm such a space nerd. Uh, this is Countdown. Uh, this is about the first launch of the space shuttle, uh, which the band actually mm. got invited to Florida to watch. And they saw bastards. it from the VIP area. It's lucky bastards. <laughs> we had to so, watch it on television. I know, from half a continent away. Yeah, I, I think I called out of school that day. It was a Sunday morning. Was it? Sunday school. <laughs> nice catch, Jack Coverly. <laughs> yeah. I tip my cap to you. I remember, I remember writing, I, I wrote a report about it. And I remember, you know, getting up and watching, and and it was uh, a whole other podcast that we can do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do remember this about watching it. I remember because after years of watching um, the Saturn rockets take off and you know that slow ascent, mm-hmm. the space shuttle just takes off like someone had it on a rubber band. It gets up and goes. Yeah, yeah I, I remember watching, going, "Oh no, that's not right. Something's <laughs> wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> too fast. It's too fast. Too fast. Too high." Anyway, the uh, countdown was later used as a wake-up song for astronauts on the uh, the final flight of Space Shuttle Columbia in 2002. Mm. So, of course, it, it would be the year later that it would break up okay. over Texas. So, Okay, so it's not Russia's fault. No, it is not Russia's fault. Structural integrity was not compromised. Although I'm sure Rolling Stone would like it to believe that it was. I'm sure they have. <laughs> Chuck, what is your... Uh, What's your album from 1982? Oh, I'm, I'm so excited uh, for this one because it does, it has a personal uh, connection. I have a personal connection just just because I, I was such a big Billy Joel fan at the time. Um, well, we'll talk about that. But my, my album is Billy Joel, Nylon Curtain. When we're living here in Allen. So my, my my signature song was going to be either Allentown or Pressure. I wasn't sure. Allentown actually uh, peaked, I think, at number 12 on the Billboard chart. Didn't break the top 10. In fact, no, none of the songs on this album broke the top 10 for him. I think Pressure might have made it to 20 uh, uh, that year. But it was, you know, it was one of those albums that I couldn't wait for it to come out. 
And before we got you know rolling and before Brad, you joined us, I was talking with Steve about how I was probably about this age. So in, in, in 90, I'm sorry, in um, 1982, I had just turned 14 when this album came out. It actually was released on September 23rd of 1982. I turned 14 the day before on the 22nd. And I probably ran out. I, I remember going and getting the album. And it was one of the few albums that I actually went and bought. You know, usually I was just getting record albums through the Columbia Record and Tape Club. You know, you buy your sure 14, yeah, yeah. whatever it was, for a penny. But this is one that I was waiting for. I was waiting for because I was a huge Glass Houses fan. And I played the hell out of the first side of that album and hardly ever flipped it over. So I was, it was about that age that I realized, and I started thinking about albums, and I was like, you know what? I think the artists put all their good stuff on the first side, and then all their filler is on the second side. Sometimes the the, the filler stuff kind of blends over a little bit into the first side, and you you end up listening to it. But if there are any Billy Joel fans out there that have Glass Houses, I don't know if you guys know the album, but all the hits from that album were on the first side. Oh, yeah, that's funny. And uh, there was one other song that was on there, uh, all for Lena, and that rounded out the first side. And it was one of those things that you just put the needle on the record and you played it. And then, you know, if you had one of those ones that was like, a, it would automatically drop the next album. Remember those? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so you sure. Put, you put it on there, it had this automatic thing, and it would drop the next stack album. Them up. So I would just Bonk. line up and stack up all the albums that I wanted to hear, and it only played the first side. Like, I would never flip, because then you have to pick all the records out. You had to flip oh, them over. So much work. Oh, it's up. too much. Oh. So I really don't know much of the music that was on the second side, to be honest. <laughs> I just played the hell out of the first. And that's the only reason that I know Laura. I, yeah. I actually remember the B-side from this. I, I saw him on this tour. First time I saw Billy Joel. I think I've only seen him twice. And he um, he played some of Side B, even live. He played Scandinavian Skies. The tour of Germany was bleeding into our eyes And we were sailing over Scandinavian skies So I, I do know that. You know, when I looked at the album, the, the songs that were on here, the tracks, She's Right on Time, I think he even still plays that. I think he might play that in... in so I knew that and going through, I was like, yeah, I remember listening to this, but it wasn't something that I let it play the B side. And back then, what were albums? They were like, I don't know, $4.99, $5.99 or something like that at the at the right. Woolco or wherever I got my records. I think I probably got <laughs> this one at Woolco. And but to me it was, you know, Allentown, Pressure, uh, Good Night Saigon, you know, was was even released as a as a single. Didn't do that well back then but it ended up being a song that if you listen to his the russian concert you know he's he's singing that there and it's interesting that he's singing that there in front of what really was the other side yeah in that war you know it was kind of it was a proxy war a little bit with the russians but you know we were we were in that so it was interesting that he would sing that song um there live when he, when he did that concert over there it's it's a it's a great album, but I, I'd be curious what your deep cut is. So my deep cut is actually a song. It's the only other song that is on the uh, A side, of course, 
that uh, wasn't released as a single. <laughs> can't be troubled to turn it over. <laughs> My favorite half yeah. albums of 1982. No. <laughs> so I'm playing, no, before I did this, so I played side B and I just, I would listen to the first five seconds and I would just go skip, like, huh? skip, skip, you know, because it's so easy now, skip. Which we don't have that with CDs and streaming. You know, you can play the whole thing straight through. And so I ended up getting more into the entire album after CDs came out. But my, my deep cut is Laura. Laura calls me in the middle of the night. Passes on her painful information. Then these careless fingers get caught in her face till they're bleeding on my coffee table Living alone isn't all that it's cracked up to be oh, oh. I'm on her side Why does she push Oh, this is dark and depressing. Yeah, it is. It's you know, and it 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 wasn't uh, it wasn't released as a single, but it was on the B side of uh, Pressure. Okay, so <laughs> that's a feel uh, good. That's a feel good purchase, that's a right boy. There. Yeah, I'm sure I thought you... I dropped ninety nine cents on that. <laughs> I might have enough money one. to buy the rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the whole song he's just bitching about this woman Laura, you know, who is you know kind of feels like she is just relying on him. Um, just you know, you get those calls late at night, and I felt like she was kind of somebody who was out drinking all night long, got home from the bar, couldn't hook up with anybody at the bar, gets home and calls Billy, hmm. and you know it's just it's got that feel, but. On the on the upside, it sounds just like a Beatles tune. So I was kind of, you know, my young age, I didn't really know what to take from that. Because at, at a young age, you're just kind of listening to the music. You're not really too too into uh, the lyrics and what they're trying to say and subtleties of the lyrics. Although, right. looking back at this, there isn't a whole lot of subtlety in this song. <laughs> no. um, he drops the F-bomb in this. So it wasn't going to get any radio play. And and I'm pretty sure he's not gonna, you know wasn't going to get any radio play anyway, but <laughs> definitely made sure that that it wasn't going to happen because he dropped the f bomb. And of course, I remember as a kid, you know, hearing that going, <gasps> he said the f word like that yeah. was a huge. No. Wasn't even damn. It wasn't even held. He went straight for the jugular. I, I checked to see like does he when was he when did he last play it? <clears throat> he he plays uh, pressure in Allentown pretty much consistently these days off this album. But I think you have to go back to 12 Gardens Live, his live album from 2006, and you will see it there. Wow. Laura, he does that. Yep. Wow. Hmm. I, I've seen Billy in, in concert, I don't know, probably close to a dozen times. I saw him wow. with Billy Joel about half a dozen. I, I, saw, him, I saw him with uh, Elton John uh, a bunch of times. Uh, saw him solo a bunch of times. Uh, I never heard him do that, but almost every concert he's doing Allentown and uh, pressure. So, huh. you know what else? You know what I like to do about a dozen times right now? The, the Seggies.
it's time for TV party tonight. Um, our challenge to recall a very uh, old, outdated, and largely forgotten theme song from a TV show in the 80s. Uh, was that a little too negative there? No, no. <laughs> no. I think you're stating the facts given the uh, quantity of answers we got back this year. Yes, it's supposed to be difficult. Uh, anyway, we'll play a snippet of a theme song from an 80s TV show. If you know it, you you enter. Uh, you possibly win some swag. Are we all caught up on the swag by now? Um, no, I have a couple to send out. Okay. And, I'll get uh, right on that, boss. I got top men working on it. Top, top men. <laughs> top men. Anyway, from episode 640, here it is. Well, nobody got it. Nobody so gonna... got it. I thought that was a nice long clip, too. I thought people would get that. Um, you so know what? Not- not going to tell you what it is, though. No, I'm going to pull a longer clip. I mean, look, we didn't have any answers, so we even skipped this in our rotation to give people more time to write in, but apparently that's a lost cause, too. So <laughs> we're just going to play a longer clip and hope for the best. We believe in you, listeners. I know somebody out there knows it, and I'm going to give you one small hint. It ran, this television program ran for over 20 years on the Fox Network. And it's sort of kind of reality TV, sort of. And if nobody gets it this time, what will happen? We'll hint at who the original host was. Okay. And that'll be a dead giveaway, as Shalimar says. (laughs) Anyway, pay attention. Here is the longer clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. <clears throat> Ooh, mm, that's a throat clear every time. And tune in and the way we're going, tune in in six months and find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. I can't believe it. Don't you ever quit? I've been away a long time and my roommate's still going strong. Renews it roommate air freshener with twice the freshening liquid so it freshens air longer than magic mushroom. Long lasting roommate. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. Wanted to thank some of the people who support us on Patreon. Um, as you know, the podcast is listener supported. If you become a member at Patreon, uh, you get access to our Patreon only blog that I, I write in several times a week. And we're also doing patron only podcasts, which we call members only. And we just, we just posted our third episode of that. Um, but some of our newest patrons, uh, Michelle Thomas, Billy Paduka, Mike Berman, Chad B, Dave Dirt, Marlon Moyer, Ed Bracey, and Larry O'Farrell. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, as always, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast to learn more. You can join for $2 a month. It's that easy. Such a deal. We hope you enjoyed the music in this week's show. Um, and along with Chuck, Brad, and myself, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.